You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. My name is Dave Barry. I'm the producer of the show. I'm joined by the Godfather himself, Mike Farrell. He's out on the East Coast and over here on the West Coast, Adam Gorney. Guys, we've got uh, some interesting stuff to talk about this this episode. We're going to be talking about some terrorism, <laughs> terrorism <laughs> threats at Arizona State. We're going to be talking about a former uh, Heisman-winning quarterback now coaching running backs at Tennessee. We're going to talk some LeBron James, some hockey. We're, we're all over the place. How, how are you guys doing today? Living the dream. All right. I'm doing well. great, Dave. Good. You Isn't guys that what are, I always say? You guys always bring the energy when I ask you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know, it is Monday, so... Uh, yeah, you know, I figured we'd mix it up a little bit, and we're talking coaching changes, too, and stuff like that, but I, I was interested in this story about Arizona State cornerback Robbie Robinson, because I covered him in recruiting, and I haven't had a region, you know, in a long time. Um, Adam Friedman took over the Mid-Atlantic region probably about five years ago, <clears throat> so, you know, this kid was uh, probably a freshman, sophomore, back when I started covering him, but, you know, I was reading allegedly posted on social media that he wanted to spray the stadium up and uh, trying to get a gun, give me liberty, give me death, and give me 25, give me life, and all this other stuff. And, and you know, Gorney, there's this, you know, similar situation out out there. And I just think, um, I don't know, it, it just this seems like stuff we didn't talk about 10 years ago. It just seems to be more common. And I think social media is, is the reason for it. It just gives everybody a voice. Uh, to say smart things, stupid things. I mean, I say stupid things on social media every day, but nothing like this. I mean, this is just idiotic. Yeah, well, what I think social media does is it exposes the people and the crazies out there. Uh, Robbie Robinson probably would have been saying this to his friends, and uh, if he didn't have Twitter or Facebook or whatever to express his feelings about this. And obviously, in, 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 in today's day and age, when someone can walk into a high school in Florida like he did two weeks ago and just shoot 17 kids and uh you have to take these things incredibly seriously um for him to go onto social media and do this uh it, you know you you could talk about give me liberty or give me death well they're not they're going to give him prison so i'm happy about that i'm happy that he's going to be in jail and people like that should not be walking the streets this is not going to be a gun debate um but, uh, yeah, out here, Jonathan Martin, former Stanford player, talked about shooting up his high school and his teammates, Harvard-Westlake in North Hollywood. Uh, he was promptly arrested and is now in a mental health facility. So uh, this is definitely something that we didn't talk about 10 years ago. I'm sure there were shootings and things, and the media has covered these things, you know, every single one that you can hear of. And uh, But it, it is different. You know, I don't remember 10 years ago, former players of any school talking about going and spraying the stadium and give me 25 and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure because of Twitter and Facebook and social media, uh, their, you know, whatever their opinions or whatever are, are, you know, emphasized on, on those platforms. And that's certainly kind of concerning, but it's also enlightening that there are those people out there. So hopefully he's in prison and Jonathan Taylor is in, uh, in a mental health facility for a long time. So I don't have to deal with these people. 
This is a, uh, just a shameless plug, but I just got an email that the Aaron, Aaron Hernandez uncovered um, story. They're doing a four-part documentary on Aaron Hernandez, which is going to air March 17th and 18th on Oxygen Network, which is now Oxygen. You think of like you know Lifetime or you know uh, Oprah or whatever, but Oxygen is just all murder. Uh, essentially, it's just the, it's the murder channel. <laughs> all um, murder all the time. That's their. Plan. It is pretty much murder. All murder all the time, and. Um, you know, they have like, you know, they do marathons of like, I don't know, like Chicago PD or SVU or whatever on there as well. But it's actually a pretty cool channel. Um, and the Aaron Hernandez thing, you know, just sort of that came in my inbox right now. Uh, so I'm in that. And it's it was kind of, uh, you know, interesting to do that because at first when they asked, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not. And I know a lot of people who knew Aaron Hernandez and covered him through high school, didn't want to do it. I know the coach that I dealt with at his high school who, you know, handled every bit of recruiting for him and gave me all the inside scoop. This was more than 10 years ago when he was a high school prospect. Um, he had no interest in doing it. His brother, uh, DJ, has no interest in doing it. But I, I think his, um, his ex-fiance uh, is part of it as well. So it should be interesting. Uh not only to see how I look, because usually I look like a fat toad on television um, for some reason. I don't know why, because we all know how buff and, and handsome I am. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's coming out, and I'm interested to see, you know, who else they interview for that. But it just kind of reminds me that you just don't know who you're dealing with. And, and I think, you know, with Aaron Hernandez, obviously I had no idea he was going to murder people and do all the things that he did there. But, uh you know, it's just that we're dealing with kids nowadays that are going to end up in jail. I mean, Melvin Alazi, I remember from the 2005 class, I believe, uh, ended up uh, doing life in jail. And, and we've got other guys throughout the years that we've covered that have done jail time or are currently in jail or been arrested for violence and all this other stuff. And I don't know. It's just that time of year where there's nothing to talk about. Recruiting is pretty much dead because now we're on 2019 and nobody cares about these early commitments um, or very few people care because most of the early commitments end up turning into decommitments. Um, spring football is just about to start. So we're talking about uh, ridiculousness like this. But I, well, I thought it was the, interesting because I covered the kid. The other thing too, Mike, is, and people sometimes don't realize, realize this because they get lost in the celebrity of it, is that there are murderers in every phase of society. There are probably, mur you know, there are murderers as football players. Ray Carruth was hiding in a trunk and had to get, you know, and Aaron Hernandez was a serial, possibly a serial murderer. And, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein is an alleged serial rapist. And Bill Cosby, from one of my favorite shows growing up, The Cosby Show, is possibly allegedly a serial rapist. So, you know, in every phase of society, these people exist. And uh, football is certainly... Uh, not a place where crazy people won't show up. So uh, Robbie Robinson putting that out, Jonathan Martin putting that out. You know, there are accountants and teachers and all kinds of people everywhere who are crazy, and uh, it's just being more exposed now because we have access to their thoughts because they choose to put them on social media. Do you hear the drops on Howard Stern of the uh, old Cosby commercial about uppers and downers? Have you ever heard that? No. <laughs> no. That's the funniest thing ever. He did like a public service announcement about uppers and downers as well. <laughs> and he was the one tranquilizing women, allegedly, of course. But, I mean, I don't know. And we should do a gun debate because we get a lot more people to listen if we did a gun debate. That would be 
something people are interested in. But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to move on to some coaching changes. Um, so you don't want a gun debate here, Mike. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, it wouldn't go well. I, I would, I would, I'd get destroyed because I'm anti-gun. I'm not a gun guy. And when you're an anti-gun guy, you're not American. You're against every amendment in the book and you're just yeah. a wuss and, uh, you know, this that, and the other. And my whole Twitter would be blown up with people telling me I'm, you know, anti-American. And I, I don't really need that stuff. So no, I don't, don't own a gun. I'm, I'm not going to own a gun. I had, um, a squirt gun when I was younger. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even have a cap gun. I didn't even like those. Those kind of like, gun. when you have your, like big noises. When you have your 42-inch pythons, no one's breaking into your house in Connecticut. Well, yeah. No, who's going to mess with me? Well, you I have mean, the gate and the guard dogs, so that's no problem. Well, in the fortress that I live in, I also have a <laughs> moat with alligators <laughs> yeah. as well here in Connecticut. It's the only gated and moated uh, mansion in Connecticut. And people wonder why I don't leave the house. Well, why should I? I've got everything I need right here. So um, speaking of everything they need, Jim McElwain's probably going to be the new offensive coordinator at uh, at Michigan. I don't think that's a good idea. Tim Drevno's gone. I think that's a good idea because he was pretty awful. But we talked about this last week, so we won't talk about it too much. We made the shark jokes about Jim McElwain last week, and <laughs> we don't need to make those again, although I love them. I um, think we should make them again because they are pretty good. But, I mean, is this changing anything? The guy was a good offensive mind at Alabama, but still, that's a pro-style offense, just like Michigan, but... Alabama's got 85 stars, so it's I could probably coach them to the playoff. Uh, Colorado State, he had some success there. It was abysmal at Florida. I mean, just absolutely abysmal. Uh, and I know he didn't get to play with his own guys. You know, he's only there for three years. But is this really an offensive change when you've got guys like, you know, Ryan Day at, at Ohio State in your own conference? Uh, we saw what Moorhead did at Penn State. Um, you know, just better offensive minds that are doing innovative things and moving their quarterbacks around. I think with McIlwain, it's going to be more of the same. I mean, I don't see him much different than Drevdown. Yeah, no, I don't either. And and from what I was reading, and obviously no inside knowledge on this, but, you know, there was some sort of, uh, you know, Harbaugh really defended Drevno until he couldn't anymore. And, you know, the coaches were, the other assistant coaches were really not happy with the direction of the offense and how things were going. This looks like a doubling down by Jim Harbaugh, if you ask me. I mean, maybe he's sitting in a room right now with Jim McElwain, and they're coming up with all kinds of spread offense and all that kind of stuff. But from what we saw with from Jim McElwain over more than you know two seasons at at Florida, and they had you know some speedy guys on that team that they could have figured something out to do, um, but but never really got it done. Yes, they finished ten and four, nine and four. Um, but obviously, people in Gainesville were not happy with him. And then as that had kind of bled into year three and you know the weird things that were going on there uh they got rid of him but i i see this more as jim harbaugh saying i'm bringing in a qualified offensive coordinator who's going to run pro style that's what i see maybe throw in you know a little bit of spread with shea patterson and let him create a little bit um if he's your quarterback but this is certainly not a team next year that's going to look like ohio state on the field or in or in two or three years, and that, and then we're talking about years five and six for Harbaugh, and still questions about offense, which means at that point it's never going to change. Um, so he's, I, th- I think this is more of doubling down, bringing in 
a guy that agrees with his philosophy and might be able to call plays a little bit better. Yeah, and I guess they're supposed to promote Ed Warner to fill the uh, the coaching vacancy, so he'll coach the offensive line, and McElwain will, you know, obviously be the offensive coordinator. And he's another guy that, that I, I know, you know, Notre Dame and Ohio State fans weren't overly thrilled with, <clears throat> you know, Warner uh, when he had, uh, you know, the chance to be involved in the offensive game planning and things like that too. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how this shakes out, but. I think once McElwain was hired, it was definitely talk of Drebno leaving, and uh, now we'll see if Michigan's any better. And, you know, Did, people say you talk about Harbaugh just to get ratings on your podcast. Nobody listens to this, so we're not talking about it for that particular <laughs> reason. I just think it's interesting that, you know, a week after we talked about McElwain being hired and how that's kind of a blah hire, that Drebno's gone and it looks like McElwain's going to take over. Doesn't this, in some ways, and, and there are definitely differences, but doesn't this, in some ways, reek of less miles at LSU? Like, all right, I'll change things up. I'll, I'll move things around. And no, I'm going to run the same thing. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to do the same thing. And, uh, you know, after a while, uh, that doesn't seem to work anymore. And Michigan is too talented to be winning games 21-17, 13-7. The way Harbaugh wants to win games isn't working. And obviously it's not working because they finished third, third and fourth in their own division in three years if anybody if any other coach was in in ann arbor right now that was not named jim harbaugh he'd be on the hot seat they'd be calling for his head uh they'd be highly disappointed with how things were going and and it's weird because expectations were so high and people are still remaining patient but it doesn't look like uh you know things are are really changing all that much there i don't think they have a choice to you know when i go on the fort our, our you know michigan uh meshes board you know and, and if somebody says something negative about harbaugh someone else might chime in and agree but then there'd be three other people who say you're crazy he's the best coach for us and you know you just have faith and then and then they sort of shout down the people who say anything negative about him he's just such a cult figure in ann arbor that uh i don't think fans have a choice but to be patient i mean what are they going to do they're not going to get rid of the guy no uh, they offered him a lifetime contract um they got to let him figure it out, and you know we'll see. Uh, but if they do get into year six, seven, and they haven't done anything, it's going to be real interesting to see if, if Michigan fans just accept, hey, we're a nine, ten win program every year. You know, maybe one year we'll win the Big Ten, uh, but they're just so far behind right now when it comes to, you know, not only Ohio State but I think Penn State uh, when it comes to offensive ingenuity. Um, you know, Ohio State's had to do a lot with different quarterbacks, and we see how, you know, Dwayne Haskins can come in and look great. Uh, we saw them win a national championship with three different quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, and mean, meanwhile, you know, they can't even find a guy to start effectively at, at Michigan. So, um, but the, the more interesting coaching move to me was Chris Wanky being hired at Tennessee, which I felt was a good hire because Wanky obviously is a Heisman winner. Uh, he's going to be an aggressive recruiter. He's going to be a guy who relates to people. Uh, he's got the NFL, you know, pedigree. Uh, he's coached there. He played there. He was the high school head coach at IMG when it first started. Um, he's coaching running backs, which is kind of weird. And eventually I'm sure he'll be involved with quarterbacks. But when I put out that it was a good hire for Tennessee, everybody except for Tennessee fans said, this is a stupid hire. It's an awful hire. How is this a good hire? This guy has no experience recruiting. This guy has no experience coaching running backs. Uh, how is this a fit? 
So I, I thought it was an interesting hire because um, he is a big name. And I think any big name is a, sometimes a, a good hire um, in recruiting if the guy's willing to work at it. I, I actually think it's a very good hire, and here's why. Um, IMG connection, NFL experience, Alabama experience. All those things will sell in recruiting. Uh, all of those things will be huge for when he goes out and recruits running backs. He has the connections to IMG. Um, those things will be very, very interesting. Coaching running backs, okay. Well, yeah, there are plenty of coaches in college football who switch positions, switch whatever. It's all about recruiting the guys, and then, you know, it, you know it's not rocket science that we're doing here. So uh, you go to IMG, and you, you could get a Trey Sanders to Tennessee. I'm sure you could teach him how to, how to play running back. Uh, so I think those IMG connections are huge. His connections into the NFL are huge, and he was at Alabama. So those things, when he goes out and recruits, are things that other people can't say. Um, and so I think it's a very, very good hire. For a staff that's trying to spark something new, obviously Tennessee was in a rut under Butch Jones. Uh, it was going nowhere. It was awful. He had all of his weird and crazy sayings that no one bought into except him. Coach speak doesn't work. Go to IMG and get some players, and then you can compete in the SEC East. I just don't know if he has IMG connections. I mean, it was a while ago. Three um, years. Yeah, but it seemed like forever. You know, it just seemed like so long ago. Remember when he was the head coach and every every IMG kid was going to go to Florida State? Yeah. And he was going to push them all there, and that didn't happen. And, you know, he took a job, I think it was with the Rams at the time, to leave IMG. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He wasn't there that long. It's been a while since he's been there. I'm just not sure what ties – he has there. So it would surprise me if they become a major player at IMG because they haven't been. Um, but maybe maybe he still has some, some magic left there. I'm not sure. I think, you know, more so he's going to help recruit offensive players. He's definitely going to help recruit quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, that's been a problem area, obviously, for Tennessee because they've been abysmal in, in a lot of areas, but the offense has been awful and, and the quarterback play has not been very good. So, um, speaking of coaching moves, Bama, uh, this was the question that I came up with. Is the constant turnover at Alabama hurting them? Is it why they didn't finish number one in recruiting? Because now they've had to promote Mike Loxley to offensive coordinator, Tosh Lupoy to defensive coordinator, and to hire two new guys. Again, they're, they're losing, you know, Jeremy Pruitt they lost, Kirby Smart they lost, you know, McElwain they lost, um, on and on. They've lost valuable assistant coaches, um, you know, to other schools or to the NFL or to whatever. And just there's no stability there in the coaching staff. And is it starting to catch up with them in recruiting? I think it might just start catching up to them. And I think we're starting to see that. That still means they're going to recruit, you know, in the top five every year. But um, I think that's what we're starting to see here. It's an interesting question. Um, you know, they lost offensive coordinators for three three years straight now, right? Kiffin, Dayball, Sarkeesian, is that right? Uh, uh, it was Sarkeesian was kind of replacing. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, well, I mean, they've lost plenty of guys. I think it. You know, Tosh Lupoy is a guy that obviously will be looking for a head coaching job at some point in his career. Um, a very motivated upward corporate, you know, guy that's going to move up the ladder. Um, but I don't know. As long as Nick Saban is there, 
I think recruiting will be just fine. They just they're coming off a national championship. I don't think recruiting is going to struggle all that much. Continuity might struggle. That could be an issue. And continuing to find really quality guys could be worrisome. Um, but coaches are going to flock to Alabama because they can see it now as a springboard to their next job. The real question is, when do kids start looking at Nick Saban and saying, this guy's going to be 67 when I'm a when I'm a freshman there? That means he's going to be 71 by the time I leave, or at least 70 years old. Is he going to be there the entire time for me? And so I think that is going to be something that's going to start kind of trickling down in recruiting. Um, it happened to Joe Paterno when he was in his late 70s. Bobby Bowden it happened to, where at some point, kids are going to start looking and going, you know what, Kirby Smart's only in his 40s, or uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's a younger guy, or Will Muschamp's a younger guy. Or Dan Mullen's a young guy. Uh, Gus Malzahn's a young guy. Uh, Ed Orgeron isn't isn't that old. So um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen because Nick say if you go to Alabama and you're decent, you're guaranteed to be drafted. And I think that's what kids care about most. But I do think it's going to start be negatively recruited against him. Yeah, but he doesn't look that old. I mean, you know, Joe Pa when he was old, he looked ridiculously old, and he just looked really old. I mean, the whole weekend of Bernie's jokes and all that stuff were just being used against him. He couldn't get out there and recruit in in home. I mean, I think the last, one of the last in-home visits he ever did was Derek Williams, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was, what, 2005. Five, yeah. And then he, you know, had to resign in the scandal. What year was that? You know, because you're Penn State. 2010. So, you know, for five years, he didn't do in-home visits. Yeah. They just couldn't. And and he wasn't involved much in on-campus recruiting and stuff like that. Nick Saban's involved. Nick Saban's, you know, he's going to these horrible home visits, and he's taking the selfies in front of the Christmas tree, and he's eating the awful meals. He's doing the dancing uh, that I saw. I saw a tweet the about dancing, him dancing. Yeah. These guys must eat so much. So here, here's, here's the way you think about it, right? Assistant coaches and head coaches. They do these in-home visits, right? And they're they're doing more than one in-home visit. Let's say they're doing four or five in-home visits in a day or an evening. That's four or five meals because you know everybody wants to cook for them. Everybody. They want to, you know, pull out their seven-course meal and show coach how, how we cook, you know, and, and how we eat around here and how little Jimmy eats around here. So how the heck do you eat all that food? I mean, I'm a fat guy. I couldn't do it. It's kind of like a Guy Fieri on uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. He has three – he samples three things at each restaurant. That's a, that's actually a lot of eating. Uh, but those are taped separate days. It's almost like who's the guy, uh, Man versus Food? Oh, Adam uh, Adam Richman. Adam, Adam Richman. Yeah, it's more like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like this this challenge. So I think Saban is, remains felt despite all the uh, – all the tremendous meals that he's had to eat. He's he looks young. He looks dapper. He, you know, we're not talking about Joe Pa here. Um, so I don't think you know the age is going to come into it. I, I know, you know, Dabo used the age against Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer looks young as well. I mean, if I look anywhere near these guys at their age, I'm 48 now, and I look atrocious. I mean, I look like I've lived uh, 70 years. I mean, it's all the travel and dealing with. You know, you guys. Is it is not, easy. Mike. It, it's your choices on the road. Nick Saban travels plenty. All these coaches travel choices plenty. Choices on the road. You, you, Listen, you know, move a salad in from time to time. 
as as Dallas Jackson once said, Gorney, you should stop eating cereal because you're getting yeah, fat. Yeah, and he's no longer at Rivals, so you see what kind of pool I have around here? That's Ooh. right. You flexed your muscles and got rid of that guy. But <laughs> I flexed ex- my non-existent muscle. <laughs> you're not exactly slim good body over there, so I don't want to hear from you, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I just I think the the continuity in the staff is is more you know a bigger problem than Nick Saban's age. He, yeah. he just doesn't look old to me. No, I That's do think it's an issue. Uh, bringing new people in all the time could be an issue because they have to you know they have to understand the system right away and um, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, Tosh has been there for a while. Loxley understands the system now, so there is a little bit more continuity. But you're Constantly bringing new people in—that's got to be kind of a grind on on uh, on the hiring process. So let's talk about the combine, and let's not mention one quarterback. Okay. The first people to ever talk about this particular combine and not mention one quarterback or one quarterback by name. So go off on your Saquon Barkley pitch. Should he be the number one overall pick? Uh, No, Uh, he should be the fourth overall pick because Cleveland will have the option. And, uh, you know, Indianapolis could trade down or take Bradley Chubb. They're not going to take a quarterback. Um, and so Cleveland can take um, the unnamed quarterback, number one. Uh, everyone knows who I think it should be. This mm-hmm. argument that, uh, this argument that oh, Josh Allen has to go number one See, because... You mentioned a quarterback. Please don't interrupt. Josh <laughs> Allen has to go number one because he's played in cold weather before is so insane. By the time the cold weather hits Cleveland, the season's over already, so they're going to be 0-14 by then. So um, I I just think it's ridiculous. Saquon Barkley should be the number four pick and still go to Cleveland. I just pray that they don't ruin his career like they've ruined so many others uh, because he's a great kid and an an unbelievable talent. And this morning, Mike Mayock said that he's on the same level as Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott. those three players are on contenders, uh, and Saquon Barkley is not going to be on a contender for at least two or three, four years. A contender, they didn't even win a game last year. So uh, I hope Saquon Barkley doesn't go fourth. I hope he falls a little bit and goes to a team that can use him. Maybe the Giants at two would be a great pick, uh, but I think they're going to go quarterback because Eli's too old. So the one position I wouldn't take in the first round, at least based on recent history, is a wide receiver. And remember, a few years ago it was running back, where you don't touch a running back in the first round. Um, you'll end up with a Trent Richardson and things. To, and now that's all changed. Running back is now back in vogue. We could have two. You know, Darius Geis could go in the first round. Sony Michelle, it wouldn't surprise me if he blew up the combine and absolutely pushed himself into round one as well. Um, but... Listen to these wide receivers, ready? To last three years, the first rounders. Okay? Yeah. Amari Cooper, who is on my fantasy team, who is good. He, he's but, the only pro bowler out of the whole list. But he's regressed. Yeah. I mean, this past year, I can't tell you how upset I was at uh, Michael Crabtree catching all the touchdown passes. And, Cooper and Amari was hurt. Cooper. He was hurt. He got hurt at the end of the season. Uh, he wasn't hurt all season. He just was completely useless, except for one game on a Monday night, I think, or a Sunday night, where he had like three touchdowns and ended up winning me a game. But he stunk. He, he stunk. As a fantasy owner, he was awful. Kevin White, ugh. Devontae Parker, ugh. Nelson Aguilar, ugh. ugh. Rashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett, Corey Coleman, Will Kurt. Fuller, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell. I mean, some of these guys are 
so close to being out of the league already. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And then Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross last year. Don't yeah. take a don't take a wide receiver in the first round. And this what year's wide receiver class I think stinks. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, going Really, the last good wide receiver draft was in 2014. Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Kelvin Benjamin, and Marquise Lee, who you didn't like in high school, but I did. And uh, <clears throat> since then, uh, you know, it's been like the second and third rounders. Juju Smith, Cooper Cup, uh, those were the guys that, have re- that really stood out this past year. Um so it is kind of a weird thing where it, it, but it's a position where you have to take some shots. And so, uh, Calvin Ridley will be a first round draft pick. Other than that, who do you take? Do you, do you take Christian Kirk? Um, you know, do Cortland you take Sutton. Cortland Sutton from SMU who doesn't really blow me away? Do you take the kid from Memphis, Anthony Miller as a, as a, as a late first round pick? I, I don't know exactly what you do. Do you take Lamar Jackson and convert him to wide receiver? He could be he could be pretty talented at that position. That's a joke and another quarterback mention. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, but it seems like the guys in the second the, there's so much value in the second and third round of guys that you can get at the position, not to waste one in the first round, which has been a change um, because it used to be wide receivers went early and often, and and now it doesn't seem like those guys have panned out. But a lot of those guys were injury risks to begin with. John Ross, obviously an injury risk. Corey Coleman's always been hurt. Uh, Josh Doxson's been okay. Laquan Treadwell, to me, has been the real disappointment. I thought he was going to be, you know, a decent, a decent he, player. Remember, in the NFL. He absolutely destroyed his leg, and you know he was supposed yeah. to be 100 back. But sometimes you just don't come back from stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, now none of these guys are are you know injury riddled, so to speak, at the top of the draft here. But I just don't see a lot of guys that I would jump up and down for. And a guy like Anthony Miller, I would hope would fall if I'm a team to the third round and I just I grab him and, and he'll be great. Him. Yeah. You know, and now if they took him in the first round, I, I still think he's gonna be great. He reminds me of Antonio Brown quite a bit, but uh nobody's gonna reach on him in the first round. And some people don't even have him in the top ten of their wide receivers, which is a little bit ridiculous. But um yeah, that's the position I would I would absolutely stay away from. By the way, do you hear these noises that are coming out of me every once in a while? I'm drinking Pepsi, right? <laughs> so these are like these are these are belches but they're not on purpose you know what i'm saying like have you heard these no if you wouldn't have mentioned it i wouldn't have noticed at all well the only reason i bring it up is because al michaels had a very very famous bout of flatulence (laughs) alleged alleged flatulence well you it wasn't a chair i mean you heard that right (laughs) i know yes have yes. you ever heard a chair make that noise? <laughs> I've claimed a chair made that noise a few times. Yeah, I know you have. But I'm sitting here <laughs> drinking Pepsi, and I'm just starting to make these noises, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like Re- Regular Pepsi, Pepsi, Mike? Di- diet Pepsi. Oh, okay. i got to say svelte. They, they, say, they say drinking regular Pepsi is actually better for you because your brain tricks you. That when you drink diet Pepsi, you have worse snacks, and the and the regular Pepsi, your brain doesn't trick you to do that. So, do you find really? yourself dipping into the Cool Ranch Doritos when you have the diet Pepsi? Well, I will tell you, embarrassingly, I went on Amazon and I one clicked the Fritos Jalapeno Cheese <laughs> Dip today because I went to Walmart yesterday and they didn't have any of it. And then I went to Big Y, which is one of our local grocery establishments around here, and they had two, and that's it. So those are the two grocery stores near me. Two wasn't enough. Two of them. 
No, <laughs> not even close. Mike, Mike, we need we need to we need to get you out to California and eat some kale, man. I'm not eating kale. Kale is disgusting. So I one clicked uh, like a six pack, and I think that should be here by drone later this afternoon. <laughs> that should get me through the night. But um, yeah, I mean, my day to day should be a reality show. I just I usually can control my noises. Uh, but I just wanted to see if you guys had heard them because there were three right there, and I'm like, wow, I couldn't even stop that. that hey, hey hold, hold on for a second while I bookmark that. I, I have a hard time controlling my noises. I'm going to use that for the <laughs> open of the show. <laughs> Great. I like the magic underwear, honestly, better than anything. But uh, so, so, you know, we'll, we'll be sitting here like losers watching the Combine, you know, starting Friday and – Seeing all the guys that we used to rank, you know, the five-star guys like Quentin Nelson and Micah Fitzpatrick and, you know, the unnamed quarterback that Gorney decided to name who reminds me of Ryan Mallett, who was a two-star that nobody wanted. And most of these guys, though, you know, were four four stars. There's a couple threes, you know, Josh Jackson uh, was a three, Baker Mayfield was a three, but we got a lot of fives. I gotta I gotta respect you and and your and your take on Josh Allen because you're sticking by it, and it seems like everybody is in so in love with this guy. Oh, Uh, he stinks. Mike Mayock said this this morning that he has the most electric arm or the strongest arm he's seen since Jamarcus Russell. Uh, Mm. That includes Carson Wentz, who is a pretty damn good quarterback. Uh, It's gonna be interesting. Jamarcus Russell really worked out well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, arm strength what, is like one of the least important things when it comes well, to Well, Ryan Mallett had a cannon of an arm, and these things. And, yeah. you know, guess what the biggest arm before that was? It was Jeff George. Yeah, exactly. And how, how did he work out? I know. I, 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 I just don't I don't get it either. I've watched him play, and, and against any level of competition, he's been average at best and bad at worst. Uh, I, I just don't get it. When you have it, – it's almost like these guys overthink what to do and – He's not the best quarterback in this draft. Well, that's why the Browns will take him, and yeah. then he'll just yeah. be, he'll be horrendous there, and you know that's just typical because I can't imagine anybody else. I mean, they're gonna someone else would take him obviously if he falls out of one, but it just he seems made for the Browns, and he might be <laughs> a very nice person. And listen, I was higher on Jared Goff than I was on Carson Wentz. Uh, they both had really good seasons. Obviously, Wentz got hurt, but. Um, last year at this time, it looked like Goff's career was pretty much over. Uh, he was a bust, and Wentz was going to be, you know, the next great one. So you just never know. Maybe you give the kid a couple of years in the NFL to work out. Someone was just insulting me, saying that I thought Davis Webb was going to be a better pro quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, how could you insult me on that? Nothing's happened. There's right. no- nothing has occurred where it shows Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Davis Webb. They both played the same amount of snaps pretty much, which is none. I mean, I know Mahomes got in uh, preseason games and and probably got in some mop-up duty, but yeah, now he's the guy because they picked him in the top 10 and they shuffled Alex Smith. He could stink. He could be absolutely horrible. And, you know, Webb could be a guy that, that, you know, obviously may not be the heir apparent in in New York uh, and may get traded and you just never know. He could have a better career. So people love ragging on things before that we have a full chance to evaluate them. But I, I think from from the first time I saw Josh Allen and everybody was like harping on this guy, I'm like, I do not see it. I don't 
see it. Um, All right, now what's your take on this one, Mike? Bill Polian, former NFL exec, says that Lamar Jackson is too small and needs to move to wide receiver. Mike Mayock we talked about this last week, didn't we? What did Mayock say? Mayock said he's the most electrifying player in the draft and that, an, and that a team will take him and craft their offense around him. Well, I'll tell you this. Michael Vick said that uh, Lamar Jackson's five times better than him, but that's just crap. Yeah. That is absolute crap. Michael, That's Michael Vick trying to be nice Michael Vick. Yeah. So we don't think of him as dog, dog murderer, murderer Michael, Michael Vick. Vick. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's such crap. Michael Vick was more electric, honestly, than Lamar Jackson in, in, in college to me. So overall, five times better. Maybe they're equal. You know, each uh, had spectacular games and set records and did all this other stuff. But five times better is crazy. Now, the most electrifying player in the draft, I, I don't know about that. I worry about his stature, not his height. I mean, he's six foot three. Yeah. That's fine. I worry that he's very thin and he could get crumpled. I think he's, I honestly think that he's RG3. That's what I think. So, Josh Allen is Ryan Mallett, Lamar Jackson's RG3, and neither of those are very complimentary comparisons. Yeah. What do you think? Who is he? <clears throat> I think a team should take a shot on him. Uh, Where though? Quarterback late first round. Late, late first round. Late Ooh. first round. That's tough, man. I know. I don't know. It, it, it's a that's a that's a valuable pick. It is, but we're talking about someone who is in, you know, who can change an offense and spark an offense, and quarterback play is so bad in the league. Um, and you can teach guys, you could teach quarterbacks how not to get hit by getting out of the pocket and running a little bit. I don't think he's Michael Vick. I don't think he's RG3. I don't know, I don't know if you can teach that. They tried that. They, they tried that with RG3. They tried to teach him to stay in the pocket. And, you know, uh, the only guy who's really been successful with that that I've seen who was a tremendous athlete was Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Um, you know, even Russell Wilson, they, they try to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket or, or at least not have him run because he's going to get killed. And, you know, he's always banged up. Now, he's a very good quarterback, but he's banged up. And RG3 kept getting killed every time he left the pocket. And I think Lamar Jackson would probably do the same thing. And remember how electric RG3 was out of college. Just absolutely electric. Um, yeah. Drafted higher than Lamar Jackson. Now, some people could say Lamar Jackson is going to be the next Randall Cunningham, and he'll learn to be a pocket passer, and he'll learn when to run, and he'll he'll drive defenses nuts by you know with a threat to run, and he'll pull the defense up, throw it over them. I don't know. I just don't think you can teach these guys. I mean, look at Cam Newton. You can't teach Cam Newton to be a pocket guy. He keeps getting out of the pocket. He keeps getting killed. He keeps complaining and whining all the time that he's getting hit like a running back. But that's essentially, you know, what he is when he's out of the pocket. So I, the instincts are just hard to take away from these guys. Yeah, there's no question that he's going to be banged up and hit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but is he Randall Cunningham, Russell Wilson, Doug Flutie, uh, Michael Vick? Or is he RG3, um, who had some other issues and uh, wasn't all that great of a quarterback to begin with? Now, the only question with Lamar Jackson, I think, is can he sit in the pocket and throw the deep ball? Because every other pass is fine. It's just that his accuracy on the deep ball has always been a weakness. Um, can he run around? You know, you're going to have to – and I think I agree with Mayock on that, that you're going to have to craft your offense around this guy. Is he that valuable of a pick? 
I don't think he's Terrell Pryor. I think he's far better and more athletic. Um, but is he a guy that even wants to change positions? Is he even open to that idea? So if he's not... I don't think he can. I don't think he can change positions. Terrell Pryor, if you remember him in high school, first of all, he signed with basketball. So, yeah. you know, he was going to be a basketball player. He was a, he was a great, great all-around athlete. Just a kid who would pick up any sport and be very good at it. And, you know, when we saw him in high school... He was ugly when he was throwing the ball from the pocket, and we saw him in seven-on-sevens, and he looked just awful. But in a game, that was a kid who's six foot five. He was 240 pounds. He could take the pounding, take the beating. He had natural hands. He could make the transition. Um, I don't know if I've seen anything, you know, from high school or college that tells me Lamar Jackson can be a wide receiver. We don't even know if he catch the ball. He. he Ball might hit him in the face every time. Yeah, we didn't see anything from Jordan Reed though that said he'd be a tight end, and he's been a pretty good one. So I think you can te- you can move. Yeah, if you're super athletic and you have any kind of athleticism to your to your game, you can move positions and play it. I I I, I don't think that's it's just gonna so be a gangly though. Like Justin Jordan Reed was a big. Again, he was six foot four. He was two hundred twenty five pounds out of high school. Lamar Jackson's just so gangly. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it, I don't know if he's gonna be a fluid natural route runner. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll be able to take the punishment that you need to take as a wide receiver. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Most electrifying, yeah. Most polarizing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it should be an interesting combine overall. we got to wrap up soon, so I want to get to our amazing Are You Surprised uh, section because people love this. This, this, is where, this is where people just skip over everything we talked about and get right to this section. Yeah, this is this um, is this is the bread and butter. This is what makes us. Well, and there are certain things that make me feel very old, like everything makes me feel very old. But I was looking today, and I guess the Blues traded Paul Statsny, and I'm like, who's Paul Statsny? Is that the brother of Peter Statsny? No, it's his <laughs> son, and he's 32 years old. Now I watched Peter Statsny growing up as a as a hockey player, and he's got a son that's 32. That makes me 180, you know. 80 freaking years old and, and the first thing I thought of when I saw UVA was number one was Ralph Sampson because that that's how old I am and, and that that so, is very old that's very old it's super old I think that was the last time they were number one was with Ralph Sampson so you know I see these things on ESPN and it just it confuses me as to how the time has passed I mean Sean Miller to me is a very average guard at Pitt and now he's uh wiretap cheating Offering a hundred thousand dollars to recruits, allegedly. Coach, allegedly. See, I don't know how it's alleged if there's wiretaps and recordings. Well, because there there are allegedly wiretaps and recordings because no one will release the wiretap, and I don't think ESPN has the transcript. Yeah, but are people going to make up that there's wiretaps? I don't know. I mean, it's sourced by a lot of people. Mike, they say that the days drag on and the years fly by. Think about that one for a second. That's a pretty good quote. <laughs> I actually agree with that. The days do drag on. It's pretty. Although it is, it isn't getting as dark here early anymore. I got till five thirty, and it's still light out. So I'm pretty happy about that. If you heard me earlier in November, I was pretty miserable because it was like four o'clock. And LeBron's still complaining. He says the officials uh, are, are against him. Yeah, Isn't well, that shocking. I'll, I'll tell you what. I I have every reason to hate LeBron James uh, as a Sixers fan and that he should go to Philadelphia after he gets done with Cleveland and they treat him the wrong way. But if anybody gets calls like Michael Jordan used to get calls, it's LeBron James. Anytime he goes into the lane and is touched 
and he doesn't throw up his arms. Every time he goes into the lane and doesn't get a call, he throws up his arms and complains to the refs. So I don't want to hear it from LeBron James. He gets a lot of calls. Did they put up three billboards in Philadelphia, I heard? After the uh, movie, three billboards? Did they put up three billboards trying to lure LeBron to Philadelphia? Did you y- hear that? Yes. Uh, hold on, I'm reading the story right now. Sure, we can just wait for you. We'll just... We'll just... <laughs> sure. Yeah, oh, no, they were bought in Cleveland. They were bought in Cleveland. Yeah, but yeah Phil- so Philly, just... hashtag Philly wants LeBron. It's not trending, surprisingly. He's uh, not going to Philadelphia. No, he's not going to Philadelphia. He has a house in Los Angeles. If he goes anywhere, he's going to go to the Lakers. I don't think he can leave. I don't sure think he can, he can leave, leave again. He can't leave again. Well, that's just that's wrong. Well, now it's the owner's problem because Dan uh, the the, the storyline that you know ESPN is pushing at least is that the the owner is not treating him the right way, even though he's a multi-billion-dollar celebrity. Uh, He's not being treated the right way. Um, so they, they basically traded their entire team to make him happy, and it seems like he's happy again in Cleveland, um, if that's possible. But, uh, yeah, so if he leaves, he'll, he'll probably go to L.A. But I, I, I agree with you, Mike. I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's going to stay there for the next five years or however much longer he has. What's really scary and what makes me feel old is I covered LeBron James when he was in high school at the Adidas ABCD camp in Teaneck, New Jersey. And now he's like an NBA veteran who's on the verge of retirement. That That is sad. It is sad. And, um, I mean, listen, Larry Nance has a kid in the NBA. That's sad. I watched him in the uh, dunk contest. Yesterday at camp, I talked to Chad, Jun- Chad Johnson's kid, Ocho Cinco's kid, who's a 2020 wide receiver. That's sad. That's sad. <laughs> he, he's not that long out of the NFL. <laughs> Everything's sad. It's awful. Hey, did you talk to Marcus Peters a lot in high school? No, never once talked to Marcus Peters in high school. All right. I was just wondering if he was a turd because he got traded for absolutely nothing. So and he's, he's a very, very good player. The the Yes, the, the, the storyline on him allegedly is that he is. Uh, he's not a great kid, apparently. He had some troubles, some personal problems. Went to Washington and kind of straightened out a little bit and then went to Kansas City and uh, I guess drove Andy Reid crazy so they tried to get rid they tried to get rid of him all the time. Um, I think leading up to the combine there were all kinds of things about off the field issues and that was a concern but he had turned out to be so good that uh, they took a shot on him but yeah they they traded him to the Rams for two picks. So that tells you something. Well, two not even wasn't even a first rounder in there. No, I don't think so. Which pretty bad. Where are we at? Are you surprised? Yeah. Are you surprised Bob Blake Bortles is making $54 million? <laughs> uh, this is a guy who went from, uh, you know, shouldn't be even in the league to, to has a good playoff run and now a, a lifetime contract in Jacksonville, $54 million. So that speaks, if, if you don't think Lamar Jackson is a quarterback in the NFL wow. and Blake Bortles can be. Uh, lifetime, you know, three-year contract extension. Lifetime. I, I'm saying money, lifetime money, so he could be taken care of. Second contract, always the most important one. He got money for the rest of his life now. And so, yes, I am surprised. I'm not surprised because money is thrown around like crazy in sports, but uh, $54 million is surprising for Blake Bortles. Are you surprised that Tim Tebow hurt his ankle running over a sprinkler head? 
<laughs> that does surprise I mean, me. Wouldn't you think you would have ran over the sprinkler head or juked the sprinkler head out? Or, you know, I mean, he was a pretty durable guy when he was a college football player, and now he's just, you know, injured over a sprinkler head. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, he's getting up there, too. He's got to be, let me think. I covered him. You got nothing? Nine years ago. He's got to be in his early 30s now, right? He's got nothing. We might have lost him. Now things are going to get better. You hear me? It's me and you. Shows that he's still on. I'm here. Adam? What is he doing? He probably hit mute, and he didn't maybe, know it. Maybe his mother-in-law cut him off. It's to, oh, don't even get me started with the mother-in-law. <laughs> it's time to wrap it up, anyways. I couldn't find anything good for like, are you surprised? You know, like the stats thing, nobody cares yeah, about. Yeah, it's kind of Virginia slow, right? number one, nobody cares about. Um, I don't know. I mean, the NFL, the top stories were you know Peters, and. Uh, you know, Bortles, and just, it's that time of year. This is the worst time of year for sports. It's just awful. Did you hear that noise? Yeah, Gorney's uh, calling in. Gorney, no, that was back? me. I'm here. Oh, he's back. I did another one, Gorney. Another noise. <laughs> <laughs> that That's probably why I, my phone disconnected. Mike, are you surprised that a Jets linebacker drove the wrong way through the Lincoln Tunnel last night? <laughs> You know how hard that is to do? I don't even know how to do it because when you're coming from... Was he coming from New York into Jersey? Because there's like that barricade. <laughs> he must have been driving down the wrong way for a long time and not, not to hit anybody. That That is impressive. I don't even understand how you even do that. I mean, <laughs> I've never driven the wrong way down a, a, a freaking tunnel. So, I, I don't know. That's, that's, but, yeah, we were just talking about how bad it is uh, in sports these days, and there's nothing to talk about. So we we're just about to wrap it up, and then I made another noise, another uh, noise that I couldn't control. <laughs> I think I should see a doctor, right? Carbonated beverages, Mike. Don't drink them. Well, that's all I drink. I mean, I drink coffee in the morning, but by the afternoon, I don't want coffee. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. I don't how, want coffee right now. How many glasses of water per day would you say you drink water yeah like i used to drink water i used (laughs) i used to drink water and i used to have a little app on my phone where i would drink like eight you know 20 ounce glasses of water a day that's Uh, far too much because they said that's healthy and i used to have these two water jugs you guys have seen them actually these water bottles that i used to carry around camps and stuff like that and they were 32 ounces and i used to try to finish six of those a day which is a lot of water but I got off my water kick. Water bores me. It's just not tasty. You know what I so, found, Mike, is uh, get there's like these crystal light, really good flavored like things that you shoot into water, and then it's like flavored water. Then you get the best of both worlds. I don't think that's healthy, though. Probably right. Well, neither is Diet Pepsi. Well, yeah, just stick to oh, regular water. True. There's not a ton of ingredients in here. I mean, the first one's carbonated water. There's your That's water. That bad. counts as water. Caramel color. That's then not you good for you. Phosphoric acid. There's <laughs> Probably potassium. Potassium benzate. That's the stuff that's in bananas, right? No, no. That, that's just <laughs> potassium. Oh. Sucralose. <laughs> excessifame. There's more potassium. There's excessifame potassium. This is like drinking a Diet Coke is like having six bananas. I don't know what you guys are talking about. (laughs) The rule of thumb is if you can't pronounce it, don't put it in your body. I don't know. 
I think I've had probably about 24 bananas today, and I feel pretty healthy. <laughs> this is probably why I'm making noises that I can't control out of my body. But luckily, they're coming out of the top end, and they're not doing an Al Michaels on our podcast. Oh, so. boy. I think we should wrap it up. I this think we've another, reached a new low. It's we, another we, genius we one. This is going to 370 people max listen to this thing. What were the numbers last week? Did we know? No, I have to look that up. Hold on. What is it? SoundCloud? Yeah. I got to look it up before we go, and then we can go. I want to see how pathetic it was. Godfather and Glory. Yeah. 501. 501. The week before that, when we complained about Harbaugh, we got 852. We got 857 the week before that. 681. We have cracked 1,000 once. That's pathetic. Alright. Well. Oh, and you know what it was? We talked about Matt Corral flipping to Old Miss and Gorney said some bad things about Corral and the Old Miss fans picked it up and they went nuts. You know, I don't think it's the the content, the level of content, the high level of content. I think it's promotion issues. Well, we we're com- we're competing with commitment issues. What did they do? Six fifty six last week. So we did five oh one and we had a really, really bad show. So I think we're no, they did a yeah six fifty six, a thousand forty, nine seventy eight. Yeah, they're kicking our ass. Of course, they've done ninety two episodes or ninety six episodes. We've done thirty two, but we got to get better. I don't. I just don't know how to get better. I think we we keep talking about uncontrollable body noises uh, <laughs> and start there. Well, and maybe tweet that out as the lead. Yeah, the the less football we talk, the better. If you ask me. Yeah, gun control, politics. If we talk Trump, forget it. We're going through the roof. Because I am pro-Trump. My, <laughs> my financial portfolio is looking as good as it's ever looked under Trump, and that's all I care about is money. You're right? so selfish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about the rest of the world. I don't have kids. Hey, America first, <laughs> baby. <laughs> it's my portfolio. It's my retirement. i got to retire from this job. So maybe next right. week we'll talk a little Trump. All right, let's do it. I got to get out of here though. I got important things to do. So <laughs> Gorney's got to go wax somebody's leg. <laughs> oh, and my, Mike has to wait for his Amazon drone of jalapeno chips, <laughs> which will really <laughs> help my my uh, body noises. That thing's gonna fly over the moat and drop it's right on It's not chips. Down. <laughs> it's cheese dip, Gorney. Hello, it's not chips. <laughs> the Domino's drone is gonna hit the Amazon drone. I want to. We need. We need to do a special video feature on Mike going to a physical. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's wrap it up. I'll just remind everybody real quick of our Twitter handles. You can find Mike at Rivals Mike. Uh, Gorney is at Adam Gorney, and I am at Real Dave Barry. So uh, find us on Twitter. You can leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us out. And we will see everybody again next week.